From NBC5, the Dallas Morning News, and the Dallas Regional Chamber, this is a special edition of Lone Star Politics, the Dallas mayoral debate. Good morning, I'm Julie Fine from NBC5, along with Gromer Jeffers, my political partner with the Dallas Morning News. And thank you all for joining us for this special edition of Lone Star Politics, a mayoral debate between State Representative Eric Johnson and Dallas City Council member Scott Griggs. And we also would like to thank the Dallas Regional Chamber for co-sponsoring this debate. Now, both candidates have agreed to these rules for today's debate. Uh, each candidate will have 90 seconds to answer the question. Their opponent will then get 60 seconds for a rebuttal, after which there will be 30 seconds for rebuttal response. There will not be an opening statement, but each candidate will have two minutes for a closing statement, and I have the first question, and this goes to Representative Johnson. You two share a lot in common. You both were raised in Dallas and have represented overlooked parts of the city. You've worked together on issues in the past, such as gentrification in West Dallas. So what sets you apart? Well, I'd say the first uh, thing that sets us apart is my experience in Austin of working together with colleagues who come from different parts of the state, different political backgrounds, different um, geographic regions. I've been very, very successful in Austin in working across party lines and getting things done. I've been very, very effective. And I believe that that experience has been reflected in the support that I've received in this campaign. I believe it's almost unprecedented to see so many civic leaders from Dallas and, frankly, around the state um, line up behind someone uh, in a mayoral race like this because I think that they understand that what Dallas is facing right now is a situation where we need a consensus builder in our next mayor. We need someone who's able to actually bring some unity to that horseshoe to get things done. And I've demonstrated over the past 10 years or nine years in office uh, down in Austin that I'm able to do that. And I've been able to pass legislation that wasn't easy to pass because I've been able to get people from both sides of the aisle and from different parts of the state to come together. And that's what we need in Dallas. We need someone who will be able to unify the city council behind very important initiatives to the people of Dallas. And so uh, I think that is the, the primary difference between us is that I have a demonstrated track record of leadership that is unifying and I don't do negative politics. I just don't believe in it. I believe that what people want to see in their elected officials is people trying their best to find common ground and working together to get things done. Things like lowering our high taxes in the city of Dallas and things like cleaning up City Hall and dealing with the corruption that has been plaguing our city and embarrassing us around the country. So uh, I do think that is the key difference is that there's a, a certain amount of uh, working together that a mayor has to do in Dallas to be successful, that that's I will bring time, to the person. And that's your time. Councilmember Griggs. Yes. With my eight years at Dallas City Hall, as a lifelong Dallasite, I get things done in City Hall. I have a record of working with constituents throughout the city of Dallas, a record of working at the horseshoe on some of our toughest issues. For example, when police pay was at $48,000 this last year. For our first responders, we had the lowest pay for first responders in North Texas. I built a coalition on the council and raised pay to $60,000 with a 3% across the board raise. On other big issues, having people see the common sense that we don't need to build a toll road over the river. Those types of issues I've worked on, I bring people together and that brings results. I'm a results-driven leader who builds consensus inside Dallas City Hall and outside Dallas City Hall throughout this city taking on our big issues. 
not only public safety, but taking on transportation issues, helping people with housing, putting in place the first comprehensive housing policy. Representative. Well, your track record uh, doesn't really support this idea of you being a strong consensus builder. And I'll say this, uh, part of being a leader, and it, you know, leadership is difficult, but part of being a leader is taking responsibility for not just the successes of a collective, but the failures. So I think if you're going to take credit for things like um, you know, the, the, the issues that you've been working on that you say where you built consensus, you have to also take responsibility for the things that you've been critical of the city council members about, such as the Visit Dallas situation. So you can't, can't have it both ways. If you're going to be a leader, then you have to take responsibility for what the collective does. And Visit Dallas has shown great leadership. I was one of the first council members to say, there's a problem here. Look at this audit. Then we looked at the audit and found out there were issues there, and now we've got Sam Coates in place to reform the organization. That's an example of my leadership, this Visit Dallas issue, going in with the audit, finding out things were wrong, and calling things out, saying we need That's to make time, a change sir. there. That's your time. We're going to talk about some of those issues later, but uh, Councilman Griggs, you have been part of a group of council members which has added to a long-standing divide on the council. As mayor, you would be in charge of bringing people like you into the fold. How would you do that? I bring people together. At Dallas City Hall, I've been running committee meetings for eight years, as recently as Monday around the Budget, Finance, and Audit Committee, the Government Performance Committee. Did a great job. Watched the video of me in leadership positions, sitting in the center chair, leading committees, building consensus, getting results done. That's what I do. I work with everyone on the city council. I have a thick skin and a big heart, which is what it takes to be a leader here in the city of Dallas, and that is my track record. Demonstrated success. And too often here at the city of Dallas, people label if you common sense as divisiveness. For years, I was called divisive because I didn't want to build a toll road over the Trinity River. They said that was divisive. It's actually just common sense. For other years, when we wanted to bring in gas drilling to the city of Dallas and our poorest communities, I said, that's no, that's a terrible idea. Common sense tells us there's dangers with the fracking water, and that was labeled as divisive. But I didn't stop. I kept working with people and kept working with people, explaining the common sense's approach. And that brought people together, brought things around, brought people together to, to my position, the position of others. And now that's just accepted as common sense. We don't want to build a road over the river. We don't want to bring in dangerous gas drilling to the city of Dallas. That's how I approach problems, and that's why I'm successful. Well, you didn't earn the reputation for being divisive, for being um, in opposition to the policy positions that some of your colleagues have. But I have a reputation in Austin for being collaborative and being a consensus builder, although the I disagree all the time with many of the people who've come out and endorsed me. The reason is because of the way you go about doing things and the way I go about doing things. How you disagree is important. And so the criticism of being divisive has nothing to do with being on the right or wrong side or the winning or losing side of an issue. It's how you disagree and how you win and how you lose. And so what's been going on in the council that has disturbed many people is the, the tactics and the, and the methods of, of yourself and Councilman Kingston in, engaging in personal attacks and methods of campaigning and things that I think people find uh, off-putting. And I think that's why you don't have the traction with your colleagues that you need to be able to be effective in the role of mayor. Being a critic and having one seat on the council is one thing, but to be the person in the main seat driving the agenda and pushing forward an, an agenda for the city requires someone who can work well with other people. Representative, that's your time. I work well with others. I do not do personal attacks. You can just compare our records on social media. 
At one point, um, the representative compared himself to a South American narco and launched a, an initiative with guns all behind him. He's gotten into all kinds of squabbles over the county, and he should run the county seat. He's gotten other things. He's known for doing a nice nasty, just as recently to me when I won the Dallas police and fire endorsements, where he said something nice and followed up with something nasty on Twitter. I don't make personal attacks on social media. I don't do it at the horseshoe. I don't do it anywhere. I'm known as a leader that brings people together. Council member, that's your time, but uh, Ms. Representative Johnson, I do want you to respond to the uh, social media criticism. He's talking about the El Blanco situation and, and other things. Please respond. My reputation speaks for itself, and I think that my uh, list of supporters um, who are very well informed, some of the most um, trusted civic leaders in the city and the state, are supporting our campaign because my reputation is that I have never had a difficult time working with colleagues, no matter where they come from, no matter what perspective they bring, whether they be liberal or conservative, male or female, rural or urban, no matter what. I find a way to get things done, and I work well with others. Social media is a very interesting situation here where I feel that in this campaign, I have said absolutely nothing on social media about any of my opponents. I've steered clear of social media when it comes to attacking um, and, and setting up situations where people are no-showing uh, debates and sending campaign operatives to take pictures of people in the legislature, these, these tactics. Not participating uh, in that. All right, Representative. We're staying positive, and we're talking about my accomplishments, and we're talking about what I plan to do for That's the city. Time. But, but quickly, what was was a parody of of a drug lord, uh, El Chapo Guzman, appropriate for social media at that? I time? believe what you're referring to is a situation where I was being critical of the of Democratic the Party County Democratic for Party, not standing yes. up to corruption, which is something I also want to talk about in this conversation about mayor. I have a strong, strong record on standing up to corruption. Okay, even okay we'll get to that party. later on. All right. So, uh, Representative Johnson, let's stay here with you. You have received large campaign donation from members of the city's business establishment. If you're elected mayor, how will you overcome perceptions that you put, you know, the agenda of the business elite above everything else? Okay, so I think that what we need to be honest about here is how campaigns for mayor in Dallas are financed and how they've been financed uh, since the, the beginning of time. Poor people, like the people I represent a lot of in my district, don't have money to contribute to mayoral campaigns in large amounts. They just don't. They're, they're, having, a, they're having a hard time paying for prescription drugs and for basic necessities. Wealthier people have been contributing to political campaigns for many, many, many years. It's disingenuous for anybody on this stage or anyone else who's running for mayor of the city of Dallas to pretend like wealthy donors aren't on their campaign finance reports. All of this information is publicly available on our campaign finance reports. Here's the reality. I have support across the city of Dallas. Every part of it, every income spectrum. It's probably the broadest base of support of anyone who's ever run for mayor of this town. However, of course, in political season, your, your opponents are going to give you credit for that and they're going to try to pretend like you're doing something that no one else has ever done. Here's the reality. I have never, ever, ever, ever been influenced by a contribution in terms of how I vote, and I never will. And the reality is, is when someone makes a contribution to me, and this has been true for 10 years, it's a reflection of their support 
for my agenda, not a reflection of my support for whatever their agenda might be. So when you give Eric Johnson a campaign contribution, you are signing up for what I am going to do and me exercising my judgment on behalf of my constituents, in this case, the city of Dallas, not making an investment in a future vote on your issues, whatever those may happen to be. And that's the reality. That's your time, Representative. Council member? Yes, for far too long in the city of Dallas, we've had a select group of power brokers that send out a letter and pick the next mayor of the city of Dallas. Have a fundraiser, raise them half a million dollars, one and done. That needs to change. It's actually suppressing the vote in the city of Dallas when single power brokers pick who the mayor ought to be. What we need is more grassroots involvement here, the type that my campaign has shown, going to over 50 forums throughout the city of Dallas, attending meetings in everyone's living rooms from North Dallas to Southern Dallas, going to churches throughout the city of Dallas. That is what we need to engage the electorate, and that's important, and that's why, how I'm running my campaign. A grassroots campaign that's funded by people throughout here. I'm proud of my campaign contributions. My campaign has received more contributions from people that live in the city of Dallas than any other campaign in terms of numbers. We have broad-based support because we are not doing things the old way. We're a single power broker in the city of Dallas anoints the next mayor of the city of Dallas. We want to give the people a choice, and that is so important in this election. This is rich. I mean, Scott, you and I have been friends a long time, but I will tell you this. this is, it's incomprehensible to me that you would sit here on this stage and imply that you don't have donations from wealthy individuals in this town. You have donations from back people who are under federal indictment. You have donations from wealthy Republican judges who have been giving money through their children to you. So if we're going to talk about campaign contributions, let's be frank here. I don't have any donations from anyone who's under indictment. I have not had a single donation funneled through a minor child to my campaign. And so the reality is this. You have real estate developers on your donation list. You have wealthy individuals on your, your list. You have millionaires on your list, too. The fact that I have more of them, perhaps, than you do is not a, a cause for uh, us to pretend like you are running some sort of grassroots campaign that I'm not. All right, Representative. Well, I'm going to res uh, yes. 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 Go respond ahead. to respond that. To yes, I mean, you received a donation from Larry Duncan. And so what differentiates us is not in, in this my, campaign. I have not received any donations from anyone under indictment in this campaign. In my old campaigns many years ago, this is what differentiates us. Many years ago, some people gave me money who are now under indictment. I give that money away, even though that money was received over two and a half years ago from a different campaign. My opponent has hung on to Larry Duncan's money. That is the difference between us. Even old money. If it was 10 years ago and today it was shown to me that someone did wrong, I would give that money to charity because it does not reach my high ethical what, standards. What about and the that donation, is the difference between the us. Respond to his, the donations to children, from children. Yes. I'm sorry. Once I find out money's from children, I give it back. That's, and the money from children was from previous campaigns many years ago. The issue here is why won't you give back the contribution from Larry Duncan or give it to charity? Am I allowed to Don't respond? respond. So Larry Duncan was a Democratic elected official, and long before anybody had any idea of what was going on with anything involving Larry Duncan, he made contributions, or a contribution, I suppose, to my campaign, along with dozens of other elected officials over the 10 years I've been in office. I, there's no way for me to know what Larry Duncan's contribution, um, you know, where it is in my, in, in terms of where it's, relative to how much money I've received, how much of it's Larry Duncan's, but I've received money from dozens and dozens and dozens of elected officials over a 10-year period. So I have no idea what that has to do with a mayoral race, with you taking money for this race for children. I did but not yes. take money in this race. All right, from all right, gentlemen, we're moving on. So that needs to be corrected. 
I did not. And my campaign is so ethical. If any past contributions are shown up, if they're 10 years ago, from anyone who's questionable, I give it back. Let's raise this whole mayoral campaign okay, by you doing the same thing. Okay, we're moving on. These are your rules, and we're moving forward. You've agreed to them. This is to Council Member Griggs. Visit Dallas had a leadership shakeup last week, months after a scathing audit that questioned the way it handled taxpayer money. Should the city renew its contract with Visit Dallas or explore other options? The city of Dallas should put the contract out for competitive bid. Using competitive bidding is when we get the best deal for the people in the city of Dallas, and I'm a strong supporter of it. On Visit Dallas, when the scathing audit came out, I was one of the first council members to say, we've got a problem here at Visit Dallas that we need to address. $30 million in taxpayer money, no metrics on the results. A CEO who's making $700,000 a year running a $30 million organization. A CEO that while he's taking trips on City of Dallas money, He's also pursuing his goal of running triathlons around the world. It's not right. It reminded me of the Dallas Police and Fire Pension System the first day I showed up there, and they offered me a brand new tablet computer and a trip for my family to Australia. I said no and no and knew there was a problem. With Visit Dallas, the $250,000 American Airlines suite, and I sure hope that Sam Coates can turn this organization around. I believe he can. And then with all projects, let's put things out for competitive bid. That's when we get the best deal. We have to look no further than Fair Park, a similar situation. Where Fair Park, giving it away in a no-bid situation to someone prominent in the city of Dallas was not the best move for Dallas taxpayers. What we needed to do and what we did, it was a huge victory, was put it out for competitive bid. Then we were able to bring in an international organization, a group, Spectra, that knows how to get things done and can get it done, and that's how we make the city better. With Visit Dallas, I very much look forward to a competitive bid process and the organization being in position to, to competitively compete in the process. Representative. This is yet another one of those situations where the question is, where have you been for the past eight years? This happened on your watch. Again, it's a, it's a question of leadership. You can't take credit for the things that go well on a team that you're a part of and then refuse to take any of the blame for the things that happen on your watch. The Visit Dallas situation, to the extent that you've been very vocal in criticizing it, I applaud you for that, but you have to also take responsibility for the fact that at no point can you say that you were responsible for uh, putting Visit Dallas under the microscope and reviewing that contract like the other contracts that we need to be reviewing with public-private partnerships in the city. You were there for eight years while this was unfolding. Now, as far as the turnaround job that you expect Sam Coates to do, is my understanding that he's an interim CEO and he's not there to turn it around, but we do need to find a CEO of Visit Dallas who's gonna do a great job. But I don't believe that we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater on Visit Dallas. We have to have an organization separate from the city itself to promote our tourism in the city. So I think it needs to be reformed. The board needs to be reorganized. It probably needs to be smaller, but we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Councilman. I actually have been involved in Visit Dallas for many years. Before even the city audit, I thought something was wrong with Visit Dallas. I filed freedom of information requests with Visit Dallas to get important documents. I couldn't get them. Visit Dallas took me down to the Attorney General's office and lawyered up against me about turning over important documents. And this fight went on for months. And of course, the Attorney General sided with Visit Dallas that me, as a council member, I was not entitled to the information. So I escalated things then. I did what a good fiduciary does. I went to the city auditor and said, Auditor, we need to get this in your auditing budget and get this audit done, put the resources into it, and find out what's going on. That's how I show leadership here at the city of Dallas.
Thank you. And this question is to Representative Johnson. What is your top budget priority for Dallas, and how do you plan to pay for it, especially if the legislature enacts a 3.5% growth cap? Well, I think the most important thing from a programmatic standpoint, um, well, there's a few things we need to do, but the, the first thing we need to do is we need to reform our ethics code at the city and get things. That's not going to cost us any money, but we have to get our arms around this corruption issue in Dallas, and we need to very, very quickly put some teeth into our ethics code to avoid some of these issues. That will restore a lot of confidence in what we're doing down at City Hall. And then we need to move on to addressing the police and fire issue in our, in our city with regard to preparing ourselves for the five years from now when we have to shore up our pension and working to get the pay scale correct for our police and fire. So where we need to do, you know, where we need to find cuts in the budget, we will find cuts in the budget. But I will be honest with you, there's not a lot of space to cut there in the budget because so much of the budget already is spent on public safety. So we're not going to cut our way to making our police and fire's um, salaries secure. Part of this is going to have to involve my number one priority in this campaign, which has been to focus on our workforce in this city, to attract more businesses and more corporations, more jobs to Dallas, so that our residents, particularly the residents in the southern part of our city, are able to make more money, attract more businesses into the city of Dallas itself, within our city limits, so we can enhance our tax base, lower our taxes on any individual taxpayer, while still increasing our revenue to be able to pay for those things. So I want to pay for more police and fire and more salary and more pensions support for our police and fire by growing our tax base. Councilman. Taking care of police and fire is my number one priority, public safety. We are in a public safety crisis right now. Look just in the news a couple days ago, a police car was shot out in North Dallas. Just a few months ago, we had a fire team in trouble with a knife-wielding person and we didn't have police officers to respond. We've seen it, crime go up 30% with armed robberies. We are in a public safety crisis, where today if you make the most important call in your life, a call to 911, half the time on a priority one call, we don't have the resources to timely respond. I will make public safety a priority, attract and retain more police officers immediately by continuing to raise pay and improving benefits. We have the money in the budget to do it. The general fund is $1.3 billion and the money's there to do it, just like I did demonstrated this last budget cycle when I raised the pay with a coalition from $48,000 to $60,000 and gave a 3% board across the raise. We can get this done because it's our number one priority. Representative. Sorry, repeat the question. Um, the, what is your top budget priority for Dallas and how do you plan to pay for it, especially if the legislature enacts a 3.5% It's, still the, it's the police and fire that I mentioned before. <laughs> Um, and, and so that doesn't, and that hasn't changed. I mean, that is something we have to do. But I think before we have the credibility to address any of these issues, we have to deliver the ethics reform. Yeah. Uh, and to that, uh, Councilman Griggs, let me ask you this. It is true. Since the 1990s, mm -hmm. Dallas has rivaled, I dare say, my hometown, Chicago. And, and That's your statement, yeah, not ours. Well, in political yes. scandals from Paul Fielding to most recently... Dwayne Carraway and Carolyn Davis. What would you do specifically? What would you do to per curb public corruption in Dallas? I've released a comprehensive ethics and transparency plan. Number one, from all the way back to Don Hill to Dwayne Carraway and Carolyn Davis, we had council members involved in low income housing tax credit projects, and we had corruption there. What we need to do is put a rule in place at Dallas City Hall that developers, cannot talk to council members once they file a low-income housing tax credit project until the council hears the matter in open session. 
And then what's so important too, part two, is we need to have council members keep lobbyist reports. Who is lobbying the council members? Then turn these in an electronic database that we can keep track of. Number three, what we need to do, I call it follow the money. Right now, we've got records scattered all over the place. We got campaign finance reports. We have conflict of interest reports. We have these lobbying reports I mentioned. And just as important, we have developers' statements of financial interest that are thrown in each agenda, behind each agenda item, to say who's going to potentially have an economic windfall on the outcome. All those items need to be put together in a single electronic database. So you can put in a single name, a single project, a single person, and follow the money and see the connections with the money. That's so important. And also, to restore trust at Dallas City Hall, we need to, or oftentimes you'll see us going to close executive session. We need to start recording closed executive sessions at Dallas City Hall. Then when there is no longer a reason to keep that information secret, let's release it to the public. That will help restore the public's trust. And lastly, we need to have an Office of Prof Professional Responsibility at City Hall that reviews campaign finance reports as they're filed. If we take all these steps, we will prove ethics and transparency at City Hall. Representative. The most important thing about reforming ethics in any body that you're working in is that you have to have the credibility to start with to even get the conversation going. And I'm here to tell you that my reputation when it comes to ethics reform is spotless. I have never been found guilty or been found myself in the middle of any ethics scandal in 10 years of public life. And in fact, when I got into public life and became a member of the Texas House, I carried ethics legislation as one of my first pieces of legislation um, in the House. And I'm fighting right now to try to reform at the state level, the very program that allowed for the situation that has plagued Dallas for many years with this low-income housing tax credit program. So I have the credibility on day one to go in and, and address this issue. You can't campaign in a way that leads people to believe that you are, have no respect for our ethics laws and they expect people to follow you on the council when you want to lead an ethics reform charge. I'll have that credibility and what we will do is we will bring in experts, people who have helped design the Texas Ethics Commission to help us redesign ours. I've got the record of ethics reform. Two years ago at Dallas City Hall, we passed some sweeping ethics reforms. Important that was part of that were the punishments if council members break the ethics. It goes everything now from a letter of reprimand all the way up to removal from council. I have a demonstrated record of ethics reform. I'm the only candidate that's put forward a plan. The House bill by my colleague here, my understanding is it's dead and there's not a Senate companion on his ethics reform that he was going to bring to the City Hall. I have a record of getting it done. I have a record of also running a fantastic campaign. We can look at your campaign contributions. You're in session right now down at the state and you're not supposed to be taking campaign contributions. But you've set up a mayoral campaign that's taking campaign contributions from people and entities and PACs that have business in Austin. Okay, that's your time. We have to time. elevate this whole discussion. That's your time and do you want to respond? So you have no understanding of what the law says at all and you want to reform our city ethics code. The law is very clear that the legislative moratorium applies to contributions for a legislative race, and it's also equally clear, it's not an interpretation, it says in black and white, a legislator who wants to run for any other office is free to raise as much money as they want during the legislative session in accordance with the applicable rules. So we are completely in compliance with the law. You, however, are not in compliance with the law with regard to taking money from minor children in excess of a contribution limit. So my question to you is, what do you predict your punishment well, will be under the city yes, ethics code? That, I gave, once that, it was revealed to me that minors gave me money years and years and years ago, not in this campaign, I immediately right. gave it back. I do not live in an ethics loophole trying to raise money. All right, we're moving on. Next question. I do have one quick follow-up, though. Sure. Is your bill dead? 
Is no. it correct? I mean, there's always an opportunity to amend a bill. So we are going to, we're going to try to amend a vehicle to actually get those provisions put in the bill. There's a live vehicle that's directly germane to my piece of legislation that was filed right. by Representative Thank Button. You. That Thank is the chosen vehicle to try to get this language into the bill. Representative Johnson, if you want to attract companies like Amazon, what should be done? And are you for city incentives to lure new companies? Why or why not? Amazon pretty much gave us the roadmap. They told us what we need to do. We need to enhance our workforce. And I'm the only candidate in the race that's responded to the challenge and has a plan for actually doing that. We need to form an agreement, a formal partnership with our community college district and with our workforce solutions and with DISD and with the relevant entities here to demonstrate to the world that we're not just doing these things in an informal way, but we are very, very clear and we have a very, very strong partnership between these entities to enhance our workforce readiness by moving children out of high school into community colleges to be trained in the jobs of tomorrow. If we do that, the companies will come. That is a fact. We just have to make sure that we have a mayor who understands that, who has prioritized that as an issue, has been talking about it from day one, and that is going to be what I focus on. And I, we will absolutely be successful in not just attracting it Amazon. It's not really about Amazon specifically. It's about what Amazon was telling us about how Dallas's workforce is currently perceived. We've done some great things. That is not to take anything away from what we've been doing, but we need to send a clearer message and be better advocates for ourselves to the rest of the world that Dallas is a great place to do business, but we also have a workforce within our city limits that a company who was thinking about where to move would want to be near. So it's great that we have companies moving around Dallas, but we really do need them in the city of Dallas. That will help us with our tax base enhancement, which will then help me help you by lowering your taxes, which is a goal of mine. I actually believe that our taxes are way too high and we need to lower them. Council member. Yes, we need to bring companies to the city of Dallas and give them the incentives they need to come here. And then we have to work on the workforce program. When companies come to the city of Dallas, why I imagine with a workforce program is we team up with DCCCD. We get the workforce training we need, and the companies are receiving the financial incentives. Let's hire from the city of Dallas, and then make sure we got good wages for people, particularly in southern Dallas. That is how we're going to build things up. And we need to continue all the progress we've made with DISD, RISD, and other school districts, and encouraging all-day universal pre-K. That is the next move for the city of Dallas. And as mayor, I will champion that, as well as the workforce development. Any response? Well, I just think that it's, it's so interesting that we have someone running for mayor who has been a perpetual and persistent critic of our city, has described every major thing we've tried to do as scandalous or a boondoggle or a vanity project, and it's arguing that they're going to be able to be the chief cheerleader for the city and promote it around the world and around the country to try to attract jobs. The mayor of Dallas has to love Dallas and has to promote Dallas and has to support Dallas and has to work with our city council to get these companies to come. We cannot be divided the way we have been for the past eight years you've been on the city council and expect different results. That's your time. And My love for Dallas is not, not questionable. I absolutely love this city. It's a fantastic place to live. And that's why I want to put public safety in the basics first. That's what the people of the city of Dallas want to see. And we're moving on. And the next question is for you. Mayor Mike Rawlings' pitch for companies has been from a regional perspective. Do you plan to continue his emphasis on regional cooperation and growth? If not, why not? We need to put Dallas first. The region is not going to succeed unless we have a strong core. And we have so many issues that we need to handle in the city of Dallas to make the city of Dallas stronger. For example, DART. Having a regional approach for DART for the city of Dallas has not worked. We put over $280 million a year into DART, and what do we get? 
We got the longest light rail system in America that gets you to Oklahoma, but it doesn't get you to Love Field. So we need to get DART refocused on the city of Dallas and delivering bus service. That's how we're going to make the whole region stronger by focusing on the city of Dallas. That's so important. There's other initiatives. Look at the NTTA, what regionalism has done for us there. We've paid off that toll road through the city of Dallas probably 30 years ago, and they're still collecting tolls on it and building a system out to Oklahoma. We have got to put the city of Dallas first in all the decisions we make. That's how we're going to find the funding we need to take care of our public safety crisis. That's how we're going to get the funding we need to take care of our streets, which are in abysmal condition here in the city of Dallas. That's how we are going to get things done by putting Dallas first. Representative. That's one of the big differences, I think, between um, Councilman Griggs and I in terms of our styles. When you're in the, the role of the chair, the big chair, when you're, when you're trying to move an agenda forward versus being in one of the roles of, of the gadfly or the critic, you have to be mindful of how you discuss things and how you handle things, and balance is important. This baby with the bathwater approach to every issue that's ever come up in our city is what's gotten us to the impasse we're at. What the mayor of Dallas has to be able to do is to restore balance to these discussions. There are limits to regionalism. You are correct. We can't be regional at the expense of Dallas, but the answer is not to just rip us out of every regional agreement that we're a part of or to just completely disparage our surrounding neighbors and turn this into some sort of you know, reality show where we're competing with all of our surrounding neighbors for a survival of the fittest type of con competition. It, we, do, we do need to restore more focus on the city and our particular tax base, but how we message about that and how we talk about that is very important. Councilmember. Absolutely. I will put Dallas first. I look forward to Frisco putting Frisco first and Plano first. We are all strong entities that we are competing against each other right now. What we've said in the past, though, is Dallas wants to put everyone else first. And we've seen the damage that regionalism has done to the city of Dallas. From our transportation system, to housing in the city of Dallas, to mass exoduses from the city of Dallas, to seeing the growth in the city of Dallas population-wise that our suburbs have not See, that they've seen and we have not. We need to grow the city of Dallas and put the city of Dallas first. Representative Johnson, what successes do you believe came out of Grow South? Of course, that's the Mayor Rollins' initiative to revitalize Southern Dallas. What successes do you believe came out of it? What needs to be improved upon? Well, the very focus on the South at all. The biggest success of Grow South is to actually elevate to the level of a priority of the mayor of Dallas the need to grow the southern part of our city. And Mayor Rawlings did a great job of articulating this very early when he rolled out Grow South. He said very, very clearly and many, many times, this is not charity. We're not doing this because we feel sorry for the people in southern Dallas. We're doing this because our city will continue on this spiral towards having, we currently have the highest city taxes of any major city in the state of Texas. That is a fact. Our taxes are higher than Houston's, which is a bigger city than us, San Antonio, which is a bigger city than us, and Austin, which is right behind us. And the reason is, is because our tax base is anemic. And it's anemic because the southern part of our city has not been developed the way it should. So the, the big kudos to Mayor Ron goes to it, acknowledging that this is a huge problem and it's not about charity. It's about making sure that our city is balanced in its development so that we can actually lower the tax burden that we are all paying on our municipal property taxes. So that's a great thing. What could be done better? More focus on the people in southern Dallas than, than we've been putting on 
than before. Because before, I think the emphasis in, in Grow South has been primarily at doing deals, projects, which are important. But if we don't develop the people and give them the income they need, they won't be able to sustain that development. You can have a Starbucks, but if you can't afford the cup of coffee, it's going out of business. So we have to make sure the people in Southern Dallas actually have money to spend in these places. Councilmember. The Grow South Initiative has been wonderful at rebranding Southern Dallas. Mike Rawlings did a terrific job as that. We used to call it Southern Sector. And because of Mike Rawlings' effort and the effort of others, it's now Southern Dallas. What we need to do next is more smaller projects throughout Southern Dallas. The Southern Dallas success story is the Bishop Arts District. By starting off with a little bit of money between buildings, you improve the land for the adjacent landowners who are local. You improve the land for locally owned businesses and for employees who are local. And we started an entire economy there that then People all over the city of Dallas and from across the U.S. took notice and institutional money kept coming over. We can repeat this success of the Bishop Arts District on Jefferson, which we're doing now, and throughout southern Dallas. It's about investing in neighborhoods and making them great and stabilizing neighborhoods with small projects. Would you like to... Well, I'll just briefly say, I think that the Northern Oak Cliff example is a great example of a success story, but the southern part of our city extends well beyond Davis Street and well beyond North Oak Cliff. And, and I also would point out that that turnaround in, in Northern Oak Cliff began long before you became the councilman over there. And I think you should be honest and fair about that as well. It's another example of, of taking uh, full credit for something that uh, had a lot of other people who helped out with that. So the, the movement to improve Northern Oak Cliff began a long time ago. I mean, I've been in the city a long time. North Oak Cliff was turning around a long time before either of us that, were in That's office. your time, Representative. Absolutely. And you're welcome to join the movement, too. It is a plan that works, and it's available for all of Southern Dallas. Let's all get on board with it. All right. Councilmember Griggs, do you support uh, newly minted Dallas County District Attorney John Cruzo's mm -hmm. plan to not prosecute uh, arrests involving small amounts of marijuana possession and small economic crimes? On the small amounts of marijuana possession, I support our DA. I support the legalization of marijuana, so I don't have any issues with that. On the other part, I support the spirit of it. We do not want to criminalize poverty in the city of Dallas. But I've got a lot of practical concerns about how this is going to work. How is it going to impact small businesses that are robbed? How is it going to impact if a mother comes home with her groceries in the back of her minivan and those groceries get taken? So there's going to be a lot of details to see how this actually gets implemented. It is a bold move to decriminalize poverty, but we need to see how it's going to be rolled out and how it's going to work, and it's probably going to need some, some refinements, but I completely support him in trying, but we have to be careful that this does not encourage crime and actually leads to people turning their lives around if they were stealing, and that we can find them jobs and make their lives better. Representative Johnson, are you on board with uh, DA Cruzos? plan to curb mass incarceration? I believe in being smart on crime. I believe that the district attorney is attempting to do something that I think is, is the direction that criminal justice is moving in in this country, which is to figure out who we are incarcerating, who really is only a danger to themselves and not really to others. So I support the idea of not excessively criminalizing crimes that are really driven by things like a drug addiction or things like that, where you, the, the true victim is yourself. So marijuana possession, minor amounts, not enough to actually you know, be classified as dealing drugs. I understand wanting to decriminalize that, but, and this is a big but and it's important, we can't have a society where people feel like they can steal up to $750 worth of stuff 
and it's not going to get prosecuted. That has to be dealt with. That just has to be, and I want to make sure before I say that that's what he wants to do and that's how that would actually work, that I understand where he's coming from. So that's, again, part of being a responsible public leader. Before you take to the airwaves and start criticizing a policy that you don't fully, haven't been fully briefed on, you need to have that conversation. Would you I, go ahead. Absolutely. We have to stay law and order here in the city of Dallas. That's so important. My commitment to law and order is recognized. I've been endorsed by the Dallas Police Association, as well as the Dallas retired police officers. Those endorsements are so important because our first responders, our police officers, know that I stand beside them and I'm the candidate that stands for law and order. And the next question is for Representative Johnson. Dallas has lost hundreds of police officers in recent years. If the state enacts a, enacts a tax cap, would you be willing to go to voters to ask for money for public safety? The answer is yes, I would, but I'm hoping that we don't do this cap. I've been fighting tooth and nail in Austin against this revenue cap idea specifically about this portion of the legislation. The part that would not allow our budget to grow um, more than three and a half percent a year without having some sort of exemption for public safety. I was the person who carried an amendment that would have actually allowed us to have that cap in place if we were going to be able to carve out public safety from the cap, because that frankly is the bulk of what we spend our property tax and sales tax revenue in this city and the bulk of our general fund goes towards public safety. It would have been okay, but we didn't uh, enact those amendments and I'm hoping that this cap does not happen without an amendment like that. But if in the event that we do, and this is a big hypothetical because we don't, this bill is not law, but if we did, then yes, it would be incumbent upon the mayor to be able to articulate to the citizens of Dallas and to work with the council to make sure within the bounds of the law, um, because it's, it's, it's really interesting about the rules related to electioneering in connection with a, a, a rollback elections, what they're called now, but they may call them something different if we enact this cap. But to go to the voters, to get them to be able to exceed the cap, to be able to make those expenditures, um, there's rules about whether or not you, you can, as mayor or city council person, actually engage in a campaign to, pa to pass something like that. So um, we would need to make sure we are following the law, but I would absolutely advocate for it in that, in that case. Council member. We've got the money in the budget to take care of our police officers and firefighters. The budget is our best reflection of our priorities. And for me, I recognize that we're in a public safety crisis. We do not have enough police officers. We used to have 3,600. Following the pension crisis, we went down to 2,900 officers. We need to have more officers today. I'm committed to doing that. We will do that by offering better pay that will improve attracting and retaining officers. I have a track record of finding the money in the budget to make that happen, just as I did this last budget cycle. We can find another 20, 30, 40 million dollars in the $1.3 billion budget and apply it to public safety and start rebuilding our police department. So you would find it within the budget. You wouldn't go to the voters to Correct. ask. We need to go because our people in the city of Dallas are getting taxed out of here. I've been on the campaign trail, visited with someone named Rudolph in southern Dallas. He can't wait till he turns 65. He's 60. He needs the homestead exemption today. People are getting taxed out of the city of Dallas. We've got to hold the line on taxes and get the tax rate down while we take care of public safety. That's going to build a great city. That's your time, Representative. Do you want to respond? Yeah, for eight years you've been on the city council and watched the tax rate go up and up and up, and now you're going to tell us that you're going to be the person who helps get it solved. I don't understand the pivot here because, again, you've voted for at least two, at least, tax hikes since you've been here. So I, I don't understand this idea that you can come in now and be a different mayor than you've been councilperson. 
our tax rate is the highest of any city, major city in the state of Texas, and that's happened on your watch. Because at the council, I have tried so hard and continue to succeed in driving down costs. And here's what we're going to do. You know what, what we need is the city of Dallas. We're going to move on to the next question. From the taxes? Well, I think this is an important point to make. Well, make it very quickly, and then we're moving on to we the next question. We need to ask question. the citizens of the city of Dallas if they want to change the charter to start capping the tax rate to something at the effective rate plus inflation. That is how we will put the city manager in the position not to come out with a budget that's too big where we're arguing over a couple hundred couple million dollars either way. Okay, and we're moving on to the next question, which is to you. Police Chief Hall has been criticized for some of her departmental decisions, such as her handling of the Amber Geiger case, the Deep Elm assault, and her demotions of some of her command staff. How would you assess her tenure, and is the police department heading in the right direction under her leadership? We all want her to succeed, and it is a toughest job. I cannot imagine the circumstances she was under as a chief of the city of Dallas making some of these decisions. I fully support our chief. And working with T.C. Broadnax, working with the chief, we are going to succeed on public safety here in the city of Dallas. That's what we're going to do. Representative. I believe when you're in a position of leadership, particularly as the mayor, you have to be able to work with the people who make the city function. That's your council colleagues. That's the city manager. That's the police chief. And it's just not good for doing business with folks and getting things done to engage in public criticism before you've actually had a chance to sit down with them in that role. And so I will tell you this, I'm for Dallas and I'm for our police chief succeeding. I want Dallas to be the safest city in the United States of America. And I hope our police chief um, will be able to help us be that city. But I want to have a conversation with the police chief as the mayor of Dallas to talk about the things that I hear, you know, that she may be doing well, she may not be doing well. I don't want to engage in that conversation without her present and without being able to actually let her tell me what she's been doing and how she's addressing um, the issues that our city faces. So it's just a matter of style. It's a matter of how you go about doing things. That's why I've been successful um, over the past nine years I've been in the legislature. I'm not going to criticize someone I plan to work side by side and shoulder to shoulder with about how they're doing their job. Council member. Absolutely. She's doing a great job and we all want her to succeed. Her success is so important because it ties to all of public safety in the city of Dallas. An example of the great leadership she showed was during this civilian review board that we just enacted, bringing together so many different people with different visions to get that passed. She did a wonderful job on that. Representative Johnson, what can the mayor actually do to improve education in Dallas? Well, Education is the reason why I'm standing on this stage. I was born and raised in some very tough circumstances. I grew up in West Dallas, one of the toughest parts of the city. No resources to speak of in terms of uh, my family. We didn't have money. But I had a great mom who's here today uh, who cared enough about education. Um, we, I got an opportunity. I got a chance. My public school teacher in first grade found a scholarship for me to attend Green Hill School that changed my life. And so I understand what can be achieved by a child in the city, no matter where they're from, no matter what part of town they're from, with a good education. We can't replicate the Green Hill experience for every child in Dallas. DISD and Richardson ISD and those overlapping school districts are going to have to do that. And the mayor of Dallas has to be someone who can very effectively articulate the role that education plays in all of our lives and the key that it holds to further success. And I don't think there's a better spokesperson in the world frankly, for a Dallas kid to have standing in front of them every day as their mayor than someone who grew up here, went to Dallas ISD schools, then got an opportunity to go to Green Hill School, and came back to the city to serve it, and telling those kids, education is your key. That's your way up the economic ladder. That's the way to become a, a valuable, 
asset to your community. So I will be a spokesperson first and foremost. I'll be a cheerleader. But the second thing is we need to partner with DISD on workforce readiness. We need to make sure that we are showing zero daylight between the city and the school district when it comes to getting our workforce of tomorrow ready. We need to work with all of our school districts, DISD and RISD, and as mayor, I'll do that. We need to have universal all-day pre-K. That is so important to get our kids ready. And then in areas like with public safety, we need to replicate what's going on at Carter High School, the program that's bringing in kids who want to go into law enforcement to get them trained to go in the Dallas Police Department. We need to replicate that project throughout every quadrant of the city of Dallas, and that's how we're going to work closer and get things done with education. Representative. I mean, I, again, I just... I'm a living embodiment of what an education can do for a kid who was, we talk about, you know, the children who are living in poverty in Dallas and what are we going to do about those children. I was a child living in poverty in Dallas and I have been blessed beyond description by the city and the opportunities I've been given I want to replicate and make sure they're available to more kids through DISD. Thank and you. we're on our final question, and it's kind of a lightning round. So we have three quick questions for you. We will start with Councilmember Griggs. Name one place in Dallas you go to have fun. Nova, because they've got stroller parking for the kids, and we can walk over there, and they have an off-the-menu special called Plain Noodles Okay. for the kids. Representative. To be honest with you, I spend so much time in Austin and working on behalf of my constituents that when I come home to Dallas, I really like to spend time at home with my kids. I've got a wife who works full time. Uh, she's amazing, um, but she also helps us by raising our two children along with me. And we, you know, we don't have a lot of help, uh, and we spend a lot of time at home with our children. So my favorite place in Dallas to be, frankly, is with them at home, uh, watching them grow up and, and trying to uh, be a good father. So I really love my neighborhood. I love Forest Hills. I love East Dallas. And uh, there's a lot of great amenities over there. The, the lake is one of our favorite places to go as a family. But uh, I'm pretty much a family guy and a homebody, and I don't do a whole lot of of socializing anymore in terms of hanging out in the, in the nightlife in Dallas, but I do love a good uh, walk around the park with the family. One place you go to unwind. Oh, that's home. Oh. Um, I'd say the, the lake is really the center of, if, if you live in East Dallas, you know that White Rock Lake is just sort of the, it's the center, the organic center of our universe over there. So uh, we, we love to go walk around to get the stroller, the double stroller that we got and put the two kids in there and push that stroller around the lake. And we get a chance to kind of decompress and talk about everything that's going on. My wife's got a pretty stressful job. She's an executive uh, with the North Face and uh, she works really hard. And we, like I said, we don't have as much help uh, as I'd like to be able to give her. I'm not there as much for her as I'd like to be uh, because I'm in the legislature in Austin so much. Thank All right, you. That's your time. Now to closing statements, each candidate will, will get two minutes, a coin toss to determine that. Um, he won. Scott Griggs, yes. did you hey. win? Representative Cons Johnson's going first. All right. Oh. Oh. Okay. Representative Johnson, well, thank, thank you, you for your honesty, both of you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, I am running for mayor of Dallas for a very clear reason, and that's because I believe that the next mayor has to be someone who can bring consensus and build consensus around that horseshoe to get the things done that we want as a city to see done. I have not talked to anyone in this city during the course of this campaign who does not want to see us lower our taxes and doesn't want to see us clean up City Hall. But we are not Chicago and we're not New York. The mayor can't do that on their own. They have to be able to build a consensus and get a majority on that council to do those things. And so I would tell you this. I'm telling you that I'm that candidate, but don't take my word for it. 
And you shouldn't even take the word of the dozens of people who have done the job, the four mayors who've had the job, the city managers who've endorsed me, the people who are our elected officials that we've trusted for years, the state senators, the state representatives, the delegation chair people, all the folks who've actually been in that role and the trustees of our school district that I've worked with over 10 years, don't even take their word for it that I'm the consensus builder, even though they're coming from every political stripe imaginable, Republican and Democrat alike. Don't even take their word for it. What I would encourage every single voter in Dallas to do is to ask the men and women that you've entrusted to be your next city council, all of your council people that you have entrusted to lead this city, ask them who they want to work with for mayor. There's two choices on the stage. Those are the only two choices that you have. Ask the people that you've elected to represent you on the city council who they believe will be the consensus builder on this stage. Ask them who they want to work with shoulder to shoulder every day at the horseshoe. And you should take into account what the people whose support and cooperation will be essential to the city's success. You should listen very carefully to what they tell you. Because I have a feeling they're going to tell you that they've seen eight years of what it's like and they know that to move the city forward, they need to make a change. And that change is called Eric Johnson. And I want you to support me for mayor for that reason. Thank you. Council member. Yes. I love the city of Dallas. I'm a lifelong Dallasite. Grew up in North Dallas. Live in Oak Cliff now with my wife and three beautiful children who are five, three, and one. And we've got a dog, three cats, and seven chickens. It is a home full of life. And why I'm running to be mayor is I recognize that we need a change in the city of Dallas. We need a new kind of mayor. The old mayors have brought forward the status quo. We've seen what that's delivered. We're in a public safety crisis. Our streets are abominable and need repair immediately. And the other issues with taxes, they're getting too high and we're taxing people out of the city of Dallas. That's why it's time for a new kind of mayor. And I'm ready on day one to go to work for you. I'm ready on day one to address public safety, on day one to address the high taxes, on day one to address housing, on day one to address transportation. Smart policies are going to change this city around. And I've got the leadership, the skills at the horseshoe to turn things around. That's why I've been endorsed by five current sitting council members. They recognize my leadership and my collaborative style that we will get things done. And that's the kind of city of Dallas that we want to live in. And that's why I'm asking for your support to vote for Scott Griggs on June 8th. This is a unique opportunity in the history of Dallas. We can change the status quo from where our public safety is, from our terrible roads, from our high taxes, and by focusing on the basics and having a renewed emphasis and passion for what really matters, everyday life in this city, for our people, the city of Dallas. We will make public safety a priority, take care of our streets and lower our taxes. That's the city of Dallas that I want to deliver for all of you. And thank you for your support. We'd like to thank you both for being here today, State Representative Eric Johnson and Councilman Scott Griggs. Thank you all for joining us for this special edition of Lone Star Politics.